communion to take your bride, the church, us back into your arms. Lord, we look forward to that day. Um, we love you so much, and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen,
former close friend of mine, was, you know, friend, I consider him a friend, um, got the head football job for the 49ers. And the title of the thing that they put on Facebook was wrong. They put, John Davis's best friend, best friend, best friend, head for Listen, if he was my best friend, I wouldn't be here. Okay. But you, you see my point? Like, yeah, we were close friends, and yeah, we played ball together, yeah, we coached together, yeah, all that stuff. But it's interesting how, like, some people can take something and go another way. Like, the only reason they interviewed me was because of this connection here. And I can either, you know, so as that happens, and I see, like, all my uh, good friends, and I see some people that are really getting ahead in life, and you sit there in your life and you go, thanks, God. I mean, I'm happy for other people. I want them to be, I, I want you to be successful. I just want a little success too, Lord. How about that? How about just bless me a little bit? And so God is like, John, if you just told everybody to be helpful, so be helpful. And I'm going, uh, Lord, I, I, I really, I, all right, then give me a reason to hope. And then he says, okay, I'll give you a reason to hope. So we're going to kind of go old school today. That's why there's a screen going to go old school. So if you have your phones, which I'm sure you do, and if you don't even have a Bible app, what's great is you got Google, right? You got Google, or some of you got phones, but some of you got Bibles, whatever else, you can look on somebody. Listen, it's okay. It's really okay to look on somebody's Bible. That's not cheating. It's not, it's not. Right? It's okay. If God give you eyes, you can play through our scripture on that. So look, First Thessalonians 5.18. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn there. That's not our primary text, because we're going through Colossians. But I want, to, I want to look at this thing. And God has really been challenging me this week to be hopeful in situations. Regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens, there will really be hope. So I can either be hopeful or I can be hateful. So 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is a passage in the New Testament that's interesting. And he says something like this. I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to quote uh, the New Living Translation. Actually, I'm going to read off my paper. The New Living Translation says it like this. No matter what happens... That's actually the verse. No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me, let me just read it again. Regardless, I love this, no matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So that's God's word, so I go... Okay, I got your word, Lord. Like, what else are you trying to say? Then in 1 Timothy 2.12, you don't have to turn there, but I'd like to read this to you. It says this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who gave me strength, check this out, because he trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. Read it again. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who gave me strength because he trusted me and gave me this work for serving him. So God's called us to be thankful. And so I couldn't be like bitter uh, say like, Lord, you're letting my friends get ahead of me. Like a lot of people become uh, quick millionaires uh, this week and those type of things. And you know, I'm like a little bit of cash flow too. Could you like put that down on the Holy Spirit's line or something like that? Could you make manna rain from heaven and call it $100 bills? Whatever you want to say, can you do that? But he's like, John, you've got to be hopeful because I have given you a work to do. And so for us, listen to that word as you think about yourself where you are. This is what's so great about the gospel of Jesus. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who gave me strength because he trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. God has given every one of us 
to work. Now, I know some of us might say, I don't like to work. I don't like to work. I don't like where I'm at or whatever else might be. Or I don't like the hand that's been dealt with. But here's what God is showing me. Here's what's so beautiful about the hope that God has given me. God has given us is that this is that God is not just uh, the God of our past or the God of the present, but he's the God of the future, which means he can change anything and everything for those who trust him. So that's the hope. That's what happens. So last week we looked at this. The higher the view we have of Jesus, the more hope we have. Uh, we looked at a passage in Isaiah chapter 6 where uh, the prophet Isaiah just had this vision of God in the throne room. And he saw God high and lifted up. And it really spoke to my heart. And I, and I saw this as well. That if I see Jesus high and lifted up in any situation, if I allow Jesus to be high and lifted up in my situations, then everything changes. Then hope can come in. So here's the main idea. Uh, the notes are on uh, Summit Church Facebook. They're on the website at summitcharleston.com. Uh, but here's the main idea. When hope increases due to a high view of Jesus, when hope increases due to a high view of Jesus, you know what's going to happen? You, you can tell when people have hope, they're thankful. They are thankful. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm not very thankful this week. I, I, I'm really not. I, I'm not thankful for certain things because I look at certain things and I go, you know what, if I had that, if I had that, if I had that, if I had that, then I would be thankful. Then I would be grateful for you, Lord, because then I could be able to look back. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, hey, we're thankful for health. We're thankful for family. We're thankful, you know, those things. But sometimes in our lives, this is how we get. We always start looking ahead so much that we forget what's here. And we forget the beauty of the thankfulness of God. See, when there's hope in Jesus, it doesn't matter what situation you're in, because what situa situation you're in doesn't dictate the limits of God. It, it, it changes that. So when we see Jesus highly lifted up in every circumstance, then we change. Think about it. Paul is saying, go to Colossians. Here we go in Colossians chapter 1. We're just going to spend some time in this passage. Just really just breaking through this passage today. Colossians chapter 1. Doubtful, we're trying to work through Colossians. And I've been dealing with these things. Remember, Colossae was a church family that was above Laodicea and Hierapolis. And those two cities that had a river going through it, and 12 miles up the river was the city Colossae. And historically, here's what's going to happen to Colossae. Colossae, by 67 BC, is already going downhill. It's a city that's not doing well. And by the time of Christ, it's gone down a little more. And eventually, it's, it's going to just end up not being a very good place. So what, what, what is happening when God is speaking this beautiful book to them, all about Jesus and the power of Jesus. I mean, we get a full picture. It's like a full motion picture of who Jesus is, one scholar said. Then you get to see the beauty of Jesus in this. So look at verse 3, if you will. Verse 3 of Colossians chapter 1. So it says, we always thank God. Say, thank God. I mean, sometimes you just thank God. Like when that person didn't get over and hit you, you go, thank God. Sometimes you look at people that you wanted to date in high school and you see them later on, you go, thank God, right? You know, you, 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 you. sometimes you walk past the donut and you say, thank God. When you're me, I just eat the donut and say, oh me. And you know, I, I don't know what to say. But my point is, sometimes we thank God after the fact because we begin to see what God saw. That was really good, by the way. We begin to see 
what God saw. Like, another thing, God sees everything vividly right now. And so when he's saying, we're in the situation, we're going, okay, God, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to be here? How am I going to pass this class? How am I going to take care of my children? Or where am I going to go? Or am I looking for, uh, am I single this? Or am I looking for this answer? Or whatever this is? Or for my grandchildren? we got all these questions. And God is saying, listen, when you really rely on me, John, when you really rely on me, you're going to be grateful for where you are, because it's not going to be the circumstance that determines your, how thankful you are, but because my presence is in your circumstance, you will be thankful. And so I've, I've got to learn to, that hope drives thankfulness. You can tell when people are hopeful because they're thankful, they're grateful, because they know something's going to get better. Uh, so let's look at this in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. I love what God, God was working even though what someone might see as death. In other words, God, uh, in other words, there was a good report. He, he, Paul was saying, I am thankful for you. I am thankful. And Paul knew that it wasn't the size of the community that made him thankful, even though that community is going to diminish it was the presence of the Spirit that made them thankful. And so that's what God is challenging us today. Are we thankful because of the Spirit's presence in our lives? Are we thankful for the circumstances in our lives? Big difference. So I looked at that and I said, well, Lord, how do we know we're thankful? How, how do I know if I'm, I'm, I'm in this thankful mode? Well, let's look at the passage and see. How do you know when you're thankful? Well, here's number one. Here's how you know you have a thankful heart in Christ. A thankful heart is a praying heart. A thankful heart is a praying heart. I've watched strong believers. I preached at a revival Tuesday night. Uh, a little, little bit of ways away. And I preached at revival, and my wife was there with me. She went with me. And there was this uh, elderly lady in the back, and she had a, a walker. And I walked over there to her, and you could tell that she was sick. Or she had been sick. Y'all with me? You could look at it and see those problems. She she didn't look well. And so I, I went over there and I put my arm on her. And I just, ah, she was so sweet and so kind. And I looked at her and, and she started to cry. And I remember my wife, I went back over to my wife and she goes, did you make her cry? I said, no, the spirit did. You know, I did. I, I did say that. And so I looked at her she began to cry and, and she looked at me. And I mean, you could tell that she was, her health was not very well. And she looked with tears in her eyes. And she, I mean, her whole face turns red because she's about to burst into tears. And she said, God is so good to me. I looked at her and I wanted to say, honey, I don't know what you're smoking. Right? But King, what? Say that again. What did you just say? She said, God is so good. He has delivered. He has delivered me from so much. God is so good. I'm sitting there watching this lady sit by herself in a small country church. Nobody's sitting around her. I don't even know anybody that many people cared for her in the place. I'm sure you know her daughter was there and some other family members were there because it looked like a family church to me. But here's this lady thankful. She's thankful, and in my opinion, in my opinion, there wasn't a whole lot to be thankful for. She didn't look like she had a whole lot. She didn't look like she had a whole lot of help. And she really didn't look like she had a lot of people that were really in her life. But here was a lady that was grateful because the presence of Jesus meant more to her than anything else the world could offer. That's 
life changed me. I was drawn. It, it literally, it just, she just sucked me right in the vacuum and I was just right there hanging on every word she said. Because she knew that there was something beautiful about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember, look at this. This is so powerful that your thankful heart is a praying heart. Look at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He wasn't just thanking the church at Colossae. He was thanking Jesus. Like, how many people really, really thank Jesus? You know what? I'm thankful that God gave me an opportunity to go to school. I'm thankful that God gave me an opportunity to coach a sport. I'm thankful that God gave me this, this family. Or I'm thankful that God gave me this work opportunity. How many people are really grateful? In, in a world today, all we hear is, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem. That's all I hear today. And that's all we hear today. And we see, I literally, I was walking on this campus. I'm going to tell you what, man, sometimes, did, did anybody, y'all ever get frustrated? Y'all just, y'all just so in love with Jesus. Y'all don't even have any problems, do you? I was walking, I was walking by, I saw a bumper sticker. It said tolerance, and it had all the different symbols for like the five, uh, the five big whatever faiths that are out there. And I thought to myself, Lord, here I am on this campus. We got people that think that, that there's going to be tolerance, and, and there are systems, there are faith systems out there, like Islam, that does not believe in tolerance. I, and, and it's like, I, I got frustrated. I was like, Lord, people don't want to see. They don't understand. Like, they don't see what they, they say, you know, John, that sounds just little. Look, I've been with the Imam. I've been to the mosque. I know. Look, I'm just telling you. Study this. I've been there. Look, I'm just saying it. That's just their system. And so we superimpose our ideas on everything else as if it's going to happen. And it's not going to happen. So I began to let this frustration kind of sit in like, God, why? Why? Where's the world going? And then, you know, you start thinking about the big picture of the world. And you start thinking about America. And you think about the decisions that are being made and, and how far we've moved away from Jesus and all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and literally, if you just sit there and focus on that stuff, you become better. You just become bitter, and, and you walk by, and you're how you doing, and it's like that person I told you, hey, they got a sense, and blah, 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 and you're like, oh, I should have never asked, you know? That's the kind of thing I, I didn't want to be, but I can see myself becoming. So here's what happened. When you're a praying heart, it's a thankful heart, because remember, true thanks goes right to the source. It's not the people, yes, I'm thankful for the people, but I'm thankful that God is working in the people. That's what Paul was saying in verse 3. But then what else is, it's just interesting, that a thankful heart rejoices in what Jesus rejoices in. A thankful heart rejoices in what Jesus rejoices in. So a thankful heart is a praying heart, number one. A thankful heart, number two, rejoices in what Jesus rejoices in. And what does it rejoice in? Look at verse 4. This is interesting. Verse 4 says this. In other words, he's praying. He's thankful. Verse 4. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ and of the love you have for all God's people. What was he thankful for? He was thankful for faith and love. So like the Lord is saying this to me, John, are you thankful for a bigger career opportunity? Are you thankful for whatever else can happen in your life? Are you really thankful for, for faith and love? And I thought to myself, hmm, now that's something to be thankful for. Think about it this way. I want you to think about this idea. A thankful heart realizes two things. The Lord was showing me this. Number one, in this, that, that faith in Jesus is the only way a person can have faith. Or is the only person that we should have faith in. Look back at verse 4. Because we have heard of your faith in Jesus. Or your faith 
in Christ Jesus. Think about this. When somebody has hope in the world and it produces this thankfulness, you realize that your faith is not in people. Like Paul's not saying, hey, I'm thankful for your, for your faith. What I'm thankful is for your faith in Jesus. Faith always has a source. And he's thankful in Jesus. And so i got to remember that I can't superimpose on my family or my friends or uh, co-workers or people that we, that we all minister with in this church. i got, I got to remember that, yes, I'm thankful for you, but what I'm thankful for is the faith that you have in Jesus. The person of Jesus that you have faith in. That's what blows me away. And then when you have this faith in Jesus, then look what it says in this verse, which is so powerful to me. He says, faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. When people have faith in Jesus, they're going to love God's people. And the reason why they love God's people is because they love Jesus. You know, it's hard for me to say to, to my, my son, if my, they, if my 12-year-old, if my 8-year-old, they, they go at it, it's hard for them for me to say, tell them thank you, or tell them you're sorry. Y'all been down that road, right? You, you try to make people say they're sorry, so what do they do? They say they're sorry, but in their heart, are they really sorry? Because they're like, this, sorry, sorry. You better say it nicely. Sorry. No, that's not, that doesn't change. Adding syllables to words that doesn't change the attitude of the heart. And so I, I can't make anybody, I can make them apologize because of the fear of punishment, but I can't change a person's heart. Only Jesus can. And there's so much to be hopeful for because when you enter into the body of Christ, the body of Christ, when people really love Jesus, they love each other. Have you noticed that? They really love each other. When somebody loves Jesus, I'm going to tell you, when somebody loves Jesus, you can see this in marriages, you can see this in parenting, you can see this in your sweet mates, you can see this in your uh, discipleship groups, you can see when somebody really loves Jesus, even when the person they love offends them, they are so willing to forgive because they're so in love with Jesus. You know, when you're in love with Jesus and somebody does something, you're like, it's okay. It's okay. Your first response is mercy instead of judgment. Your first response is kindness instead of unkindness. Well, I mean, when they really love Jesus, when they're just thinking, man, Jesus is so wonderful, and look what he's done for me, and I can be hopeful in any situation. It's like being, I, I'll never forget, it's like being, if you're ever getting a car accident, and it's just like a little bumper bumper thing, it's nothing big, and if you're really in love with Jesus, you've been in your car and you're worshiping and you're praising Jesus, and that happens, you're like, oh, this is a bummer. But then you get out and you see the other person and if they're tore up and they're upset about it, your first response really is mercy. Your first response is, are you okay? It's going to be okay. Like, it's no big deal. I don't forget my, my, my son and I were coming here to CSU one morning. And y'all know that beautiful truck that I drive. See, a lot of you want that truck, but you can't have it because it's too nice. It's too nice, and you're jealous of the beauty of my truck. I love when I drive down the road and the paint peels off because of the wind and flies out. That's when you know, or the white smoke that blows out. I love my truck pulling up next to people in Goose Creek because everybody got their window down. You know, they got their window down, and they're like, hey. And they're like, hey. <laughs> and my car's blowing out white smoke man, all over me. It's awesome. It just tastes the corn in the next time. All right, so, um, Right? It's, it's, it's bad. But you know, I'll never forget we, we were coming on the ramp on I-26 
and we go in there, and there's, it just, you know how it backs up on 26, it's just because, because. And so it, it's backed up, and so I stop, and this lady comes up in this white Honda, and I mean, it's like a new Honda, too. And she comes up, and boom, she hits my truck. I mean, she hits my truck. Now, my kids call my truck Priscilla. I don't know why it has a girl name. I have no idea, but they call it Priscilla. And so I get out, and I'm like, my first response initially was, man, J.D., we're going to be late, da-da-da. I said, let's, you know, we guess. It's going to be all right. And she gets out. She's a, a dental hygienist, and she's all upset. You know, so when you, like, I, it was just the Holy Spirit of my life. I just, I just kind of gave her grace. And Marcia, I'm like, it's okay. It's going to be all right. She's like, that's sometimes I'm so, so worried. I'm like, You know, and she had this white Honda, and I mean, it was just a core, and it looked like an EX, you know, which is kind of the higher end model, and it's nice. And, and she's like, oh, we're going to have to get the cops all this stuff. I turn around, I kid you, I kid you not, I look at the front of her Honda, and through her grill, it's like my bumper, the outline of my bumper, uh, right? I mean, it, it, it just like in it, like just right through the front, I'm going, wow. And then I look back at Priscilla. Priscilla doesn't even have a scratch. Well, it has scratches, but you couldn't tell what scratch was from that or that. So I was just like, we don't need jobs. I'm going, now that's not the smartest thing to do because she could like said, like the injury or something. But nonetheless, my point was, I was like, we don't need the cops. I'm fine. I'm thinking, she don't need the cops because her car is torn up. You know what I mean? But I just give her grace and mercy because when you just focus on the Lord, you don't worry about that stuff. And it was the Holy Spirit, it wasn't me. He just, he just let that stuff go. I mean, Marcus and I were talking about this uh, two days ago. It's interesting that when you're so in love with Jesus because of the gospel of Jesus, he changes you so much. When people offend you and when people sin against you, what's amazing is you have the ability to forgive them. And some people have come to me and said, John, how does that happen? How can I forgive the people that said they love Jesus? Like, they talk bad about me. They did something behind my back, and then they're going to come up and say, I'm sorry, and then I'm supposed to, in Christ, go, okay? Here's what John Piper said. When somebody sins against you, who's a sister or brother in Christ, and it really hurts you, the reason why you can forgive them, and their I'm sorry is sufficient, is because the punishment that they deserve, God took and put it on Jesus on the cross. When that person talked bad about you, when Jesus was being beaten, he was receiving the punishment that they should get. Now, if somebody's a non-believer and they, they choose not to receive the forgiveness of God, then those people are going to be punished forever in the lake of fire, separated from the promise and the hope and the peace of God. You think about it that way. When you think in those concepts, it changes everything that you, you can think of. So what's interesting to me is that, that this thankful heart rejoices in what Jesus rejoices in, and it's faith and, and love. And I love this idea of this word love here in, in, verse, in verse 4. You see that? I, I, I love that passage. And, and look at verse uh, 4 there with me if you don't mind. Because we've heard of the faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. That word love, this, the scholar Vaughn, says this. The Greek word there denotes caring love, a love that counts no sacrifice too great for the one loved. When you hope in Jesus, you can love others, and there's no sacrifice too great. There's no sacrifice too great to give to those people because you have the love of God in us. 
And that changes everything for us. And that's why people give up their lives here and they go overseas. Uh, tonight, we have a chance to hear Bilal come and speak to us tonight with what we're doing in Ethiopia. Isn't that right, Kevin? He's coming. I encourage you to come to Charleston City. Get to hear the power of presence. Think about, think about the love of Jesus. Think about Bilal's story. I mean, just think about it. His cousin, am I right? His cousin goes and kills all those people at the well. And how many widows did he leave? 20, 30 maybe? And all those children now uh, had, had just a mother that's left his cousin dead. So he says, I'm a Christian. I'm the only Christian in this little far region. I've got to do something about it because the love of Christ compels me. There's no greater sacrifice for Jesus because I love him so much. That's the type of love. When you love Jesus like that, you're willing to sacrifice for him. And the way you sacrifice for Jesus is you do something to, towards someone who can't pay you back. So what does he do? He says, i got to go make it right with those people. So he grabs basically some milk and bread, if I'm right. He goes over to the tribal leaders and he says, listen, that was my cousin who went AWOL and killed all those people at the well and, and left you there with widows and some of the kids were maybe orphaned. He says, and I'm a Christian and i got to make it right. And he goes, I'm hoping that I can do something to make it right. I'm hoping you won't kill me. And they said, we need to go meet. So the leaders go meet. They come back and say, well, we're not going to kill you. He goes, thank you. Right? He goes, but we, we need a school. We need this. We need that. And then that's how we began to partner with him because he was willing to give a sacrifice. And I believe today you're willing to give a sacrifice to the Lord because you love him. Because when you have hope in Jesus, it produces thankfulness. And so, uh, think about this. The last thing is, is that a thankful heart always increases in hope. Always, always, always increases in hope. Look at verse 4 and 5. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from, what does your version say, saints? The hope. Look at that. The faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven. I did this, I mean, I was reading this, I was going, Lord, you just, you just laid it out here for us. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Remember, hope always increases thankfulness. And thankfulness always helps drive hope. And what does hope do? Look what hope does. Hope does this. Hope drives faith and love. We talked about this two weeks ago. We talked about it last week briefly. But hope is the idea. Hope is the idea. And the idea was, remember the example I gave you? The idea was, ooh, I saw my wife Lynette. Ooh, I would like to go out with Lynette. Ooh, maybe she could be my wife. That hope opened the door of emotions in my life and overcame the fear of rejection. So what did I do? I put feet to my hope and I went and asked her out. That's called faith. And then as we began to go out, then came love. So look at verse 5. This is so powerful. The faith and love that spring from hope stored up for you in heaven. That's what God has for us. So if whatever the circumstances you have in your life, whatever might be happening in your life, here's the beauty of being a Christ follower. Being Christ follower means I have hope because my hope is not what's going on around me now. My hope is stored up for me my hope is stored up for me in heaven. My joy is in heaven because of the gospel of Jesus. Remember, God set you free. This is the beauty of Christianity. No other religion has it where God came to man. Everything else is man working to God. What did he do? He came and died on the cross for our sin. 
The Bible says, for the wages of sin, not all, is death. So Jesus paid our price. He has paid the price. God is not angry, right? God is not mad with us. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. And because Jesus was perfect, we get his righteousness. We stand in front of God righteous, even though we sin. A lot of us consistently, me consistently. But we get his righteousness. That's called this free gift, part two of the gospel. And then three, he gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit, driving the love, driving us to have hope. So look at verse five. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. What is stored? I mean, I was wrestling with this. I said, Lord, I don't understand this. Hope is meant to increase because there's a storehouse of it. Did you hear what I said? Hope is meant to increase because there is a storehouse of hope. The blessings of the Lord are so big for us that it cannot be housed in heaven, on earth. It can only be housed in heaven. That's the blessing and the hope that God has for you. Any circumstance you're in, can, listen, God can give you hope, not only to get through it, but to produce something great in it. Because you have hope. So it blows my mind. Heaven will blow our minds. I'm not just to come up and just kind of play with this, because this, for me, is just it's so powerful. And a little version says this, in verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. A little version reads this. The faith and love that spring on account, I love that, on account of the hope for you in heaven. Because of the hope we have in heaven, faith and love spring out for us in this world. That we can have faith in Jesus and we can love others because, listen, God can give you hope. It's so beautiful. In any situation, we're not bound by any of that because of the hope that God has for us. And so I was sitting there thinking through this. So where there is hope, there's always going to be faith and love. So I, and I, as I, I thought about this, okay, Lord, then how's my faith? If I really have hope in you, then my faith ought to be grown. My faith ought to be moving. Right? We're not stagnant people. Christianity is not stagnant. You're not waiting in a hospital room to die and go be with Jesus. That's not the Christian faith. Oh, I'm safe and I sit there. Now, sadly, here's what happened. Most believers that you encounter in this world, let's just be honest, tell the truth, shit, you know. Most people that you encounter on your team, in your classrooms, in your retirement, at your jobs, at your children's parties, family, most people that say they're Christian, they're Christian only by salvation. There's not this deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. And as a pastor, this is what I want more than anything else in this church family. It's a deep, intimate relationship. I want us to walk around in hope. We are not paralyzed by what's around us. We're not caught in the trap. Our past doesn't define us because we always have to see we have hope. You're always looking forward, aren't you? Isn't that beautiful? You're always looking forward. You're always looking forward. Next play, next play, next. Always looking forward because you never know what God's going to do. Because God is a genius and He drops something on you and die. And you will never know and change your life. Isn't that right, Eric? Which you text me the other day, just how God showed up in you. How? When all hope was gone, right, brother? 
When all hope was gone, it was as good as over, wasn't it? And then all of a sudden, God shows up. That's the way God works, saints. Can you just get a little free this morning? Listen, he's not going to be early, but he's always going to be on time, and it will not be your time. It will not be it, It'll be at the very moment when you think all is lost. Listen, I'll never forget when I, when I, when I fixed my father's funeral and then he was gone. You know, I'm sitting there thinking about that. And some of y'all, y'all know you buried your parents. And, and you think about that. Like, you can't pick up your phone and, and call. You, you can't pick up your phone and call your father. Right? Think about it. You can't pick up your phone and say, hey, I need some advice. Hey, I need this. Hey, I need this. And so it creates an attitude of hopelessness. But I want to tell you something in the Lord. The Lord never let you get to that point of feeling that way. He never, because he kept saying, John, you've got to remember something. Your father is with me. And the only reason your father had wisdom is because I gave it to him. That changes your viewpoint. And so now I can go right to the source of wisdom. I can go right there. The word. So that's why when you have hope, you step out in faith. When you have hope in Jesus, hopeful people are faithful people, and they do it with an attitude of gratitude. They're thankful. The word faith is the idea of commitment or trust in. And this is not just trust in Jesus. I wish I could go a little bit into Greek this morning with you. I could get a little bit. It's, it's called the locker point. But anyway, I don't want to get too technical. Some of y'all are in Greek, you know what I'm talking about. But the locker passage, in other words, it's this. It's like um, it points to Christ. As Bonham talks about, as the sphere in which faith operates. In other words, here's what he's trying to say. This idea of faith in Colossians means this. Is this this idea that I have faith in Christ and, and because he is Lord over this situation, I can trust him. It's not just faith in Jesus and he's in heaven. It's faith in Jesus and everything he's Lord over. You said, John, he's not Lord over my work. He's not Lord over the king. He's not Lord over my boss. He's not Lord over my family. He's not Lord over my kids because they're going to check But then I'm Lord over my sweet mate or my classmates or my teammates or not Lord over my coach. Lord over blah, 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 Not Lord over this, not Lord over that. Here's what I want you to know. The Bible makes it very clear that the, that the king's heart is in God's hands. God can do whatever he wants. All we have to do is just come to him. All we have to do is come to him and have hope in him. And when you have hope, you become thankful. And this week, we struggle to be thankful. Because when other people get ahead, I'm happy. But then sometimes it makes me think, I want to get ahead too. But the idea of thankful in this passage the idea of this word thank in scripture here in Colossians 1, it means this, like Paul, the scholar would say, it means to be to rest or be anchored in Christ. See, when you're hopeful, you're thankful, and thankfulness produces rest. It produces, it, it tells you you've been anchored in Christ. You've been anchored just in Him. And so today, I want to encourage you, and I want to ask us to do something. We're going to ask us to do something as a church family. I know you're going to say, John, you get real weird when you do stuff like that. And I'll say, I know, I'm a weirdo, but you got to love me, right? You have to be spiritual. You have to love it. Right? So my point is this. It's almost to challenge us to be thankful today. I mean, what are you really thankful for? And don't give the cursory uh, unless it's something you've gone through. Don't give the cursory. Well, I'm thankful for health. Lord, thank you for the food. Listen, but some, my biggest lies, I lie to them. I lie a lot. Here's my lies. One, I lie when I say 
My delight is in you, Lord. I think we're getting ready to sing, and, and let's just be honest. My delight is in food, right? Come on. Look at me. Um, and then there's, there's another time. I think, I think I lie to the Lord a lot when I pray. Because I'll say, Lord, I'll say, I'm going to do that, but then I really don't. And so my, my, I lie to the Lord in prayer this way. Lord, I am thankful. You know, we, we pray. God, thank you for this meal that we're about to eat. You know you're not thankful. You know you're going to have a big old fat, juicy steak. Tell the truth, shake the devil. Right? Just tell the truth. You are not thankful for those that salad you're eating when you can be eating a donut. All right, we're going to this side. Could you understand me a little better? You are not thankful for going to East Bay Deli and eating beets on your salad. No, you're not. You're thankful when you go past the dogs and the golden arches call you to a fry. Or, better yet, you get saved and redeemed and you go to Chick-fil-A and you get waffle fries. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like you think about it, I'm not really thankful. I'm not really, but today God is asking us to be thankful in that. He's asking us to go into his presence. So here's what I want us to think about today. I want us today, a few led by the Holy Spirit, to just, some of us in this room, I believe there's some of you haven't done, to really just go in front of the Lord. Like, I'm talking about if you're thankful. You can, tell, by the way, you can tell them about, a lot about a person, what they're thinking, by the position they're in when they're praying. Hey God, thanks a lot for all this. Thank you so much, God. Thank you that you're going to give me hope when I have no hope. Thankful that you're the Lord when I'm not in control. Thankful when I see no end, that there's no end with a, with a God like you, because you're not bound by time. There's no end to Jesus. Like, see how that changes everything? I want to read you something that's so powerful as we get ready to land this. One of my favorite books outside the Bible is Peter Gray. You see, I just kind of tear this up. Charles Spurgeon was one of the greatest uh, preachers, probably in, in, in London. And he said this. I want some of you today. Here's what I want you to be thankful for. I pray the Spirit sows this in your heart. That you, you become thankful that you have the opportunity to even to ask God. Watch. Charles Spurgeon, the great little preacher, loved to glorify God by asking much from God. He loved to glorify God by asking much from God. He cited Psalm 50, verse 15. It says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. We ask much from God so he can rescue us from much so we can give him. We call for the help of future grace. God answers us with delivering power. The result is that he is honored. When God delivers us, it's not for us. It's for us to give him glory. It's a call to delightful partnership, Spurgeon with Bright. And I love that. In which we obtain what we greatly need. And God gets the glory due to his name. Think about this. This is where he, this is what Charles Spurgeon writes. Do not speak. He was writing to pastors. And he was saying this. He said to the pastors, have genuine faith in the word.
word of God and in his power to save. And I love this part. He says, because it doesn't return void. He said, do not go into the pulpit preaching truth and say, I hope some good will come of it. I don't go up here saying, I, I, I hope people respond. No, I go up saying, God, you will have people respond. Because your word doesn't return. Your word doesn't return what, saints? Void. Get up there and be confident what God will do. Do not speak as if the gospel might have some power or might have no power. God sends us, saints, to be miracle workers. Therefore, say to the spiritual needy, or he calls them spiritually lame, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Where we're spiritually anemic, rise and walk. Where we're spiritually hurting, rise and walk. This ought to produce hope in us and gratefulness. Rise and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And the men will rise up and walk. But if you say, I hope, dear man, that Jesus Christ may be able to make you rise and walk, your Lord will frown upon your dishonoring words. Listen to what it said. This is where I'm going to land this plane. You have lowered God. You have brought him down to the level of your unbelief. Anybody get that today? Ask much from God. When he responds, and he will, we are to honor him with much. I'm convicted. When I don't have hope,
Well, just please come today and say, Lord, I just want to thank you. If you don't do anything else, you've already done enough. If, is, that, is that really a statement I can be thankful for? I'm thankful for. Who wants to come and just thank the Lord? Or what we would say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Who wants to thank Jesus? Thank him for what he has done and is doing. And even when we don't know what he's doing, to walk by faith, because of hope, be thankful. Can you ask the Lord today to change your heart to thankfulness? Lord, would you do that in us? And then, Lord, my prayer is this. For the people in this room that don't know you, may you open their eyes physically right now. May they open their eyes physically, not just their heart, but just I mean, literally open their eyes and look at the people down on their knees and say, wow, God, you're doing something and I don't even know you. And the same something that you're doing in them, you can do in me if I'm willing to just open up my heart. So today I pray that they will see Jesus, Lord. I pray that they would surrender their lives to you. That you can give them more than anybody else can give them, which is your presence. And the only way to get there is through Jesus. He's the only one who paid the price for our sins. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough. Those are works and that's dead religion. But when we surrender to Jesus, Believe that he died on the cross. God, you rose him from the dead on the first day. And we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord. We turn to follow you. Repentance. We follow you. Lord, you save us. It's a transformational miracle. And Lord, if somebody does that today, I pray they'll come and they'll tell somebody on the side. One of our leaders, they'll tell them and say, I just gave my mind to Jesus. I don't even know what all it means. Maybe they'll grab the person they're with and they'll tell them, I gave my life to Jesus. Lord, you are good. Forgive me for bringing you down to the level of my belief. Because you're great. We ask much of you. Because you're willing to give much. For example, you gave yourself. And Lord, we thank you. We are not bound by circumstances and limitations. Thank you that we follow the one who's bound.